This is Randy. And this is Jesse. In the future, the truth about the moon landing will come out. It was faked. It was shot on a soundstage by Stanley Kubrick, three miles under the surface of Mars. In the future, the new American currency is going to be baby food and Dr. Seuss books. Yes! I like that. <laughs> All right. This is this is the number one issue. This is our uh, our origins episode. We're taking it out and we're showing it around town. <laughs> yep, we're gonna we're that's right. Got our pitch together. This is our pitch. <laughs> All right. Um, the Grolix podcast. I've been excited for this. This is something I wanted to do for a while. I wanted to get together with you and be able to talk comics and and Doctor Who and as I've been typing in the description for the podcast all over the web is you know other other geek uh, media but primarily comics web comics and Doctor Who so that is what you are in for listeners and you will enjoy each second because we will enjoy each second yes and that's just we're paying it forward is all we're doing mhm exactly um, we kind of have a format we we're, we've set up for the show, uh, not to say we will necessarily stick to it strictly each episode or really any episode where we tend to sidetrack ourselves, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think the format will be good cause it will give us a structure. Um, I think going into the episodes, hopefully it'll make it feel a little less intimidating. And like I said before we started rolling, um, it's going to be a little awkward until it's not. And I'm not sure how long it'll take, but we'll get into the flow of it. Hey, Randy, our listeners have no idea who we are. You're right. We should maybe talk about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go first, Jesse. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm Jesse Kiefer, and I... My claim to geek fame is that I draw and write a web comic. That's my main thing. Uh, but I have been interested in comics. Pretty, that's pretty much my favorite form of reading and has been since I was an elementary kid. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Comic books, Doctor Who, movies, I like them. Yeah, I'm, and, yeah, okay, I'm Randall Sylvie. I'm... I've always been interested in comic books when I was younger. Uh, like once in a while, my dad would kind of randomly pick up a comic book and he had some old ones laying around and I read those things over and over again. Um, other than that, I hadn't really like regularly collected or read miniseries going, uh, at that time. I was always into it, always into Batman. Uh, the, and it was usually the TV shows, the movies, the cartoons, um, save them with back in the day, uh, of course, Batman, the animated series, um, the X-Men show, which was on Fox in the 90s, which was fantastic and does not hold up nearly as well as Batman do- does. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Like, at the time, <laughs> at the time, I loved it, and, but I have since tried to watch it, and, like, I can appreciate aspects of it that they were doing that cartoon series just for kids just weren't doing, it, but it yeah. does not hold up. It was pretty rough. They, they, 
tried. They tried to hit a lot of the really big storylines, but they had to adapt it to a cartoon audience. Yeah. And sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you can't. So I guess beyond, so, you know, the interest in the characters was there. I was always a big Batman fan. Beyond that, I didn't really hit the comic books hard until just a couple years ago. I, I promise I'm not a poser. Uh, I feel like that. I being, being a newcomer to both comics and Doctor Who, I, I constantly have that, like, ooh, that poser feeling. But since getting into comics, been reading a lot, kind of almost trying to make up for back, uh, for, for lost time, um, trying to hit, like, the essentials. And then with Doctor Who, that was another thing. I didn't get into uh, Doctor Who till the new series. I was one of those. But since then, I've gone back and I've watched every episode of the classic Doctor up to um, the fifth Doctor. I'm in the fifth Doctor now. And that's quite an endeavor. Like, it has taken some time. <laughs> I, you had mentioned uh, before the show that you started in on Time Flight, so I dug it up, and I watched the first episode and watched part of the second episode, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's, okay, okay, <laughs> does the reveal about that very strange character that comes in at the end of the first episode, does that happen during the second episode or later? It doesn't. It doesn't happen yet, and uh, you know. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking it's, about. Though. It's it's totally yeah. You see it coming a mile away. It, unfortunately, it's so weird though. Like, why was why was his disguise even necessary? I yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I don't understand it. It was it was it was watchable. Like I was entertained by it. It's just that was one of the cases where I think it gets a bad rap, and I'm not saying it doesn't deserve some kind of bad rap. But it gets a bad rap because the story is totally ridiculous. But that being said, like, I was entertained by it, by the whole story. I guess a little bit more about me. I make music. I host another podcast called EMG Radio, um, which is like a podcast for uh, electronic musicians group, which is this whole other thing. I like to work on video projects. Basically, anything I like, I try to do, which, which, which is cool, but it's also a bummer because I like a lot of things. And it tends to divide my attention too much. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's hard to keep it's hard to keep on track when you've got like six tracks you're interested in taking. I, I feel like I need to. I feel like I need to bump up my uh, my intro, a little, buff buff it up a little bit because yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Because I'm my day job. I'm an elementary art teacher. Uh, I teach martial arts and have been doing that for 20 years. I've got a YouTube channel too. And yeah, it, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying about too many irons in the fire and you worry that you'll be a, a jack of all trade and master of none. But at the same time, you just got to go with what you are really into. You've got to follow your passions a little bit. So this podcast, we're going to, uh, because of, um, well, it's kind of a good uh, rule of thumb. There's not a lot of podcasts that are clean, and while we might talk about, like, a lot of the comics we're going to talk about are not kid-friendly. A lot of them are adult-oriented. And we might talk about the themes involved in those. Um, we're going to try to keep the language clean. And there's not a lot of podcasts that do that. So that might be nice because I know a lot of people will want to listen to podcasts, but they have kids and whatnot. So they kind of have to do it secretive. So I'm excited and nervous about making sure this is clean. I'm so nervous something's going to slip through, but I'm going to do my best to make sure everything gets cut, covered, um, gets a, 
gets the old soap brush to it. <laughs> the Grolix treatment. Exactly. Which which makes the name all the more appropriate. We're we're talking smack with squeaky cling language. <laughs> yep. Which is not <laughs> which is not my strong point. But this'll <laughs> this'll be a good exercise for me. For all of us, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um so each episode we we, we kinda wanna hit on we'll probably have a feature topic. Um this episode, like we said, is an origin episode. Um but basically it'll usually be either something relevant um that's been going on in the comics circles, just words, you know, things topics going around, or just some random things that are on our minds at the time. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about some recent things we've been reading and we'll do that this episode. We don't really do, I don't think we're really going to do, like, straight reviews. We're not going to give, like, star ratings, I don't believe. Yeah, no. Because, I mean, that's alright. There's a lot of podcasts that do that. But I don't necessarily want to be a reviewer. We will talk about comics that we don't like, but I don't ever want to really be too hard on a comic. Because it's still somebody putting the effort out there. Oh, absolutely. That's somebody's time. Uh, that's somebody's livelihood. So... Exactly, exactly. And I'm not saying that we're going to necessarily tiptoe over something that really rubs us the wrong way. We can still talk about these things, but um, we're just not going to go out of our way to do a super review-oriented thing. Oh, the poll list. That's something I wanted to mention now. Um, Obviously, Mm -hmm. we're not going to have anything for that now because we don't have any listeners yet. But do you want to talk about the idea behind the poll list? I really liked it. Well, the poll list idea is that uh, we could not have possibly uh, have read everything in existence. Um, you know, I read a certain number of books every month. Randy reads a certain number of books every month. Melanie's going to have read a certain number, probably more than either of us, every month. She's a machine. <laughs> she reads so many comics. I can't keep up. <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, because we can't cover it all, uh, we want to know what you think we're missing. So we, so it's the poll list, but it's spelled P-O-L-L. We, we're polling the audience to, uh, you know, we want you to let us know what should we be reading. So we're excited about that. And if we have listeners, as soon as you, uh, want to let us know, there's going to be all sorts of, uh, contact information that we're going to roll out here later on that you can use to get a hold of us and let us know what are we missing? What should we be reading? Yeah, let us know what we should add to the poll list. Um, I will be putting polls. Um, I haven't worked out the specifics. I can do a poll in the forums, which, by the way, there are forums on the uh, uh, podcast.com website. I'm not sure. Maybe they might end up, we'll put a post, uh, a poll in a post, but either way, the, Somewhere on the website, and I'll link it. I'll link it in show notes and stuff like that. Um, there will be a section where you can vote on the poll list. If there's not something on the poll list that you want there, um, there is contact information on the website, or just hit us up on Facebook, which is also uh, it's Facebook.com/slash Grawlix Podcast, um, and just let us know. Just talk at us. We want to talk comics, so uh, you know. The listeners are more than welcome to uh, join the conversation. It's encouraged. And it's it's hard to say now how, how big of a list we will wind up with, but uh, I think the more the merrier, and I don't think uh, we'll be deleting anything from the list necessarily. There may be some things that may have to jump uh, just 
by virtue of availability, depending on what uh, the readers want us or the listeners want us to read. But I think, you know, we won't delete anything until we've read it. Yeah, exactly. And actually, and this is similar to something I've seen um, on other websites. Yeah, once we get like if we if we have a good listenership that wants to uh, suggest some titles for us, um, we can create a post or a page that'll list all the uh, pull list uh, issues, and then as we go through and read some of them, I'll just mark that with the episode that we discuss it in. So it'll be this kind of like slowly expanding. Eventually, we'll kind of be checking them off the list. Now, if it's something like if there's a bunch of people vote for a certain book or or we offer a certain book that's Say it's something long, um, like a hundred issue run or something like that. Obviously, that's going to take us some time. We won't necessarily be able to hit something like that every every uh, episode, but we'll get through as much as we can. I'm excited because there's, like I said earlier, there's a ton of stuff that I haven't read, so I'm always trying to go back and read what are considered classic books. You know, just to kind of inform myself. So. And also new stuff. I'm always interested to discover new stuff too. When there's so much new stuff coming out that uh, you you know you'll post something and I'll be like, oh, I didn't hear about that. And I'm sure I've done the same where uh, you know I've mentioned a comic and you're like, no, I hadn't even heard about that. Oh yeah, exactly. So. Um, and that's asked, that's kind of another thing about uh, why I wanted to discuss like our latest reads and some of our favorites and stuff because I know for the most part you're reading primarily books that I'm not reading and then vice versa. Right. And you're definitely bonsai. Why? It's, it's the same issue you were having with your dogs. As soon as they know that you're doing something, the animals are all over you. Get off the computer <laughs> desk. You never get up here. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> get, get. <laughs> he's sitting on my computer and he's trying to climb right up on the desk. <laughs> that's that's what was happening before Echo was trying to get into my lap, and he was just he was just being kind of an attention grabber. Good call, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Those are the, listeners, dude. Those are the, <laughs> those are your teacher skills right there. Like, uh, that's right. Um, you know what they're the animals. You know what they're uh, what they're doing. They're probably thinking we're going insane. We're sitting in here they're, talking to ourselves. They're trying to help us. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? At least if I'm here, you're no, talking. Listen, to no, me. listen. This this box thing with the screen, it's it's really worrisome. What's happening here? <laughs> oh, you stare at it all day. Now you're talking to it. It's just one step stop, too far. Stop listening to the glowing screen. <laughs> <laughs> the animals are like, did I just enter the twilight zone? Oh man. It doesn't even have a face. <laughs> it doesn't even have a face. Where are its eyes? <laughs> oh, and something that kind of touches on your uh, on your introduction of yourself. Um, we'll also cover webcomics because, and maybe I, I must just miss the podcasts that talk a lot about webcomics. I listen to a lot of comic book podcasts, so maybe my my by virtue of my searching for comic book specific podcasts, it gets filtered out, but there's not a lot of podcasts I listen to that discuss web comics. And so we're going to talk about that too, especially since you have a connection, um, with your, with your web comics and you, um, are kind of in touch with, uh, you kind of have a cool like web comic community going on Twitter and stuff. 
Yeah, there's a great network of web comicers out there. And, uh, you know, the, there are podcasts out there that talk about web comics, but uh, a lot of the time, they're just really super focused on just web comics. And I feel like we're kind of at a point now where a lot of um, big names are creating web comics and it's just a matter of their self publishing on the web. I mean, that's really all it is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like web comics uh, really, they deserve just as much respect as our printed medium, especially since that's kind of how we're digesting comics anymore is in the digital media. You know, you, you can get all of your uh, monthly polls on comicsology now and just read them strictly on your iPad or, or, you know, whatever your favorite digital reader is. Yeah, I've, so. I've, I've found, um, I've kind of got a growing list of webcomics and I've been basically kind of bouncing around RSS readers to try to find the, the one that works best for me to come kind of compile and keep, keep, keep on top of them as opposed to like, I mean, obviously you want to visit their websites and stuff, but mm-hmm. I tend to fall behind. Uh, yeah. for example, smaller totems. I, I, I love that webcomic. Um, but I'll fall behind, which is also fine. I'll fall behind and then be like, oh yeah, smaller totems usually because they post on Twitter and then I'll, you know, catch back up. But, um, yeah, they're freely available, which is awesome. And I've been personally just trying to find like an RSS reader that I really like so I can, uh, compile all the feeds in there and then stay on top of it. But there's some great, um, services out there like ink outbreak and comic rocket, uh, which kind of act like RSS feeds. Um, the problem with, with RSS feeds and uh, aggregators like those is that s- for whatever reason, not every site, you know, not every site is going to be a carbon copy of what they need in order to work optimally. So, you know, uh, the one reader that you really find that you like for the majority of your comics, it might not work for smaller totems or it might not work for Axe Cop or whatever. And so unfortunately there's going to be some gaps in whatever readers that you choose. Um, but yeah, that's really a good way to try to keep, you know, keep current or kind of kind of like a bookmarking system where it's like, okay, that's where I left off. Oh yeah. I like that. I'm gonna have to check that out. Since we're still on the topic, do you want to talk about tank monkey or just for kicks or anything? Uh, okay, we can get we can get the vanity stuff out of the way in well, the first episode. I, I guess I, I know that's kind of <laughs> I know that's kind of weird, right? But I mean, yeah. we're still kind of in like introduction mode, talking about ourselves. So, sure. Yeah. Or, or is it? Or is that? Is it not appropriate? Because no. I guess I guess if I was like, if you were like, hey, Randy, you wanna you wanna pimp your product? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd feel that comfortable with it either. So it's your call. Uh, I'm I'm cool talking about it. I'm I'm cool talking about it. I jumped into web comics kind of as a, a byproduct of going back to school for my master's degree, which seems like a really strange origin for someone to get into drawing web comics. But stick with me. I I went back to school to get my master's degree so that I could get a better, you know, get better pay as a, as a teacher and just become a better teacher in general. And in the process of doing that, one of my instructors was writing a book and she needed a illustrator for that book. And so I had been wanting to get back into drawing cartoons cuz that was that was always kind of a dream of mine was to do either animation or um 
comic books. And uh, I started to see just how grueling uh, the work involved was. And it, it stopped sounding like the thing I wanted to do for a career on a regular basis. It sounded more like something I wanted to do for me. And so uh, in the process of this, she was looking for an illustrator. I was looking to get back into it. So I did some illustrations for her book, which was a textbook for elementary teachers about classroom management. So that's a real page turner for the rest of my family when I say, hey, I've been published as an illustrator. Here's my book, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's that. So, well, but what it did was it parlayed itself into uh, – me getting a little bit more confidence about doing it, and so I started my webcomic just for kicks, uh, and it was literally just for kicks at the beginning. Uh, I've, I've been a martial arts instructor for a very long time. I've been doing martial arts for over 20 years now. I'm on my 21st year now, and uh, so I've always thought that there's funny things that martial artists do, uh, and and so I thought the very first comic I should do is a write-what-you-know kind of comic. And so it's a web comic, basically about two brothers who are kind of thrown into the situation where they are going to run a martial arts school together, which is sort of biographical in that, or autobiographical in that uh, my middle brother, uh, Jacob, he also is a martial arts instructor. And we've, we've been instructing in the same school for a pretty long time. So that's that's what that comic was about. And then a couple of years back, uh, we got snowed in for a very long time, and you get some pretty crazy cabin fever when you're snowed in your house for about five days. And uh, I, I decided that I wanted to do a coat of arms, like old medieval style. And uh, I wanted to put as many Internet references in this coat of arms as possible. So I had ninjas, pirates, Vikings, robots, uh, I flanked the shield with uh, Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Uh, one had an electric guitar. One had a surfboard. Uh, I had a shark underneath the, the crest with a ribbon going across it. And then at the top, I needed a tree topper. And uh, someone suggested, you need a tank. Well, I wanted to do a tank. And then someone said, you need a monkey driving the tank. And then I said, I need a monkey driving the tank that's wearing... Uh, a, like an opera Viking horned helmet. And that's where Tank Monkey was born. Nice. <laughs> so he is, he is, he is the product of being indoors for entirely too long. <laughs> uh, and really that's, that's it. The tagline, the pitch, the, the whole thing. He drives a tank. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Tank Monkey summed up pretty quickly. And <laughs> Tank Monkey's pretty awesome. For the listeners, uh, if you hit the website, I've got links to all of Jesse's stuff, um, his web comics, uh, in a couple places because I get bored and I'm like, I'm gonna add this here. I'm gonna add this here. But uh, there's links all over. You'll be able to find it. If you're gonna go there now, it's it's TankMonkeyComic.com and uh, KicksComic.com for just for kicks. Yeah, another section we're talking about. And I'm wondering if Melanie will get get here in time to talk about this too. Um, I'm not sure we uh, the finalized title for this section, but "Flaming Poo" is what I have written down. <laughs> now this is yeah, a, this yeah. is of course coming after uh, how we earlier said we weren't going to uh, 
be bashing comics. <laughs> <laughs> this is still, I think, this is still, I think, a good, um, a good section. It's almost like the poll list, but in the polar opposite. We're we're gonna try to track down comics that are objectively bad. Um, and actually, I've looked up a couple lists. I'll have to send you, Jesse. I'll have to send you some of the lists of like the worst comics <laughs> of all time. And and then we're gonna check it out and see if it's as bad as people say. Um, I'll try to come at it objectively. Um, but I thought that was a fun <laughs> segment and. What you had suggested when we first brought that up, me and Melanie both read. So I'm kind of excited to talk about that. So, oh, you read it? Yeah, yeah. Um, issues up to issue five. I don't know if six is out yet, but when when we had read it, six wasn't out yet. Okay, and I I'm tr- I have covers in my in my mind, so I, I have the I have the latest issue, and I have not read it, but I have read all but the most recent issue. Okay. Uh, let's see. Which I think is five. Um, okay. I, yeah. I can't even describe the cover without giving it away. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, can't even, I mean, like we have to dive into the discussion on this. Well, yeah, we'll um, we'll hold off on that on a mo- for a moment, and and hopefully okay. get to that a little bit here in a little bit. Um, another segment uh, that I that this is this is totally born out of. Uh, my per- my interest in this comic is uh, I've got a title this Swamp Studies for now. Um, mm-hmm. I read not too long ago the Alan Moore run of Swamp Thing, and I think it is currently my f- most favorite comic book run of anything ever. Um, I think it's pretty awesome. So what I was hoping to do, Melanie's read it all. She enjoyed it. Um, I loaned you some issues. Um, so what I was kind of hoping to do with that is kind of a, uh, I say in-depth study. It's basically just going to kind of be a discussion. and But we're going to break it down into um, each episode I'd like to cover like one book or, or half of a book as they're collected because I believe they're collected into six books. And then just kind of oh. talk about it. That'll be kind of tricky to do without hitting super hardcore spoilers. Right. But um, we'll see what we can do there. Uh, and spoilers is another thing. Like, for the most part, if it can be avoided, I'm going to try to avoid, like, when we're talking about what we've been reading, I'm going to try to avoid spoilers. But if there's something we really want to get into, uh, we'll give you a warning before time, before uh, ahead of time before we get into spoilers on something. Right. And with this, uh, you know, as we're going through swamp studies, you sh- if you're following along with the podcast, you're going to know in advance what book we're on and what's coming up. So if you haven't gotten um, that far in, in your own swamp studies, which we would encourage, yeah, um, then, you know, you'll, you'll want to jump se- that segment maybe in the podcast. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I think at the beginning it might be all right. We won't hit too bad spoiler territory, but as we get into the later, like, as you get it later into the run, you just can't avoid, like, if you're going to discuss it, you have to discuss where Swamp Thing and the story is at is at in that moment. And obviously, if you're way behind in the run, that's going to spoil something for you, so... And then after Swamp Studies, after we go through that, it'll be something else. You know, we'll find something else. We'll, <laughs> I'll throw it to Jesse on that one and be like, what do you want to do since I picked Swamp Thing? <laughs> um, 
but I, I also knew that was something I could bring Melanie in on because she was she read it and enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I'm currently probably the furthest behind. There's no probably about it. I, I think I read the first run uh, that you gave me, which I think was up to issue 24. Is that where That's, the first run kind of ends? Yeah, it. The end of the end of 24 kind of felt like an appropriate ending spot, or you know, for that at that. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, <laughs> dogs. And the dog portion. <laughs> Bring your canine friends in. They'll enjoy this part. <laughs> yeah, at the end at the end of where I'm at is it, it was just kind of it was kind of just the first run and then he he kind of yeah. I, I don't want to get into it too much because I assume we'll we'll get into it. But yeah, there was kind of a an ending to that first arc. Yeah, yeah. And the whole run's kind of good about that. I mean, there's overarching storylines, and then there's some storylines that kind of go on a little further than you can just, like, tidy up in a couple issues. But it's pretty good. Uh, Alan Moore's writing on that is pretty good about encapsulating certain segments of the entire story. Um, So it does feel, you know, kind of complete like that. Um, Let's see. And actually, I, I, I I took a thumb through those earlier today just to see where we were at on it. Um, and yeah, there's a couple things I really want to touch on, but we shouldn't talk about too much till it's actually time to talk about it, I suppose. Sure. I'm sure there's other things. We, I guess we don't want to talk the whole podcast about what the podcast is going to be about. Right, um, yeah. And I'm not sure when Melanie's going to get here. If she doesn't get in on it, um, I don't think it's an issue. Do you want to talk about what we've been uh, reading lately? Sure, I can I can start off with that. I think the number one thing that I've been reading pretty ravenously lately is IDW's um, run on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, if you're if you're following the Ninja Turtles right now, uh, they're kind of in an interesting place because they just relaunched the animated series on Nickelodeon. And uh, from what I from what I've heard, that's that's pretty. It's been a pretty good relaunch there, uh, which I have not seen any of at all. Uh, but w- what I'm talking about is the IDW uh, relaunch that they did, um, not all you know, not all that long before that animated series started, and it's it's really interesting. Um, it's a really interesting restart to the whole series, and uh, you know, I could go off on a tangent about reboots and relaunches. Uh, we could do a whole episode on that, and I'm not going to get into <laughs> the bare bones of, of, of my feelings on that. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give you the, the abridged version. I think that relaunches sometimes are necessary, and I think that reboots and relaunches uh, can really revive something that's struggling. And I think this is a case where it they pulled it off really well. And, and I had moments where I thought, well, what are they doing with that? Uh, but... It's it's really coming together in a really interesting and, and cohesive package, and I think that that's re, you know that's really partly to do because they've added um, Eastman, one of the original creators, is uh, you know he's involved in the project, and a lot of times he does covers for each issue. Um, he's involved in the writing process. He's done uh, some one-off stories. He did a story for the annual. I think it was the first annual for the run. And they're now into, oh, I don't know how many issues, 20-something at this point. And it's it's interesting because they, they're 
trekking down familiar territory in an unfamiliar way is the best way to explain the way that the new series goes. Um, so how would you say, uh, okay, um, from my end, like, I don't, I haven't read, uh, like, any of the comics. Uh, most mm-hmm. of what I know of Ninja Turtles, and I, I think old school hardcore comics fans will be gritting their teeth a bit, but is the animated series from back in the day, but that's, like, totally appropriate for my age. I, I grew up during that time mm-hmm. period, so I, Ninja Turtles, I loved it. But, um, what would you say this series is kind of akin to? Is it kind of like a meshing of various? Because you've got the original style um, Ninja Turtles comic run. Um, obviously, the more uh, the the very kid friendly animated series, and then that's been rebooted a couple times um, for animated series. What would you say this current ongoing is kind of more akin to? Okay, and that's that's what I love so much about this uh, run is that it very carefully references everything. Uh, When we first meet the turtles, they're all wearing red, Uh, just like the original, um, just like the original Eastman and Laird run in the very beginning. um, You know, once that, once we established color in, in the Ninja Turtle run, uh, they all wore red bandanas. There wasn't the multicolor that you see in, you know, in those later eighties, um, cartoons and comics that we're all used to. We're all used to the orange, the purple, the blue, and the red. Um, So they start out the series with them all in red, and there's a very cool reason why they do that. And then when when that arc completes, then they all... Uh, they all don their colors and, and it happens in a very cool way. So there's, there's the callback to the original really gritty, uh, run and it, it, it approaches things not, I wouldn't say in a, in a super gritty and violent way, but they're not pulling punches either. I mean, they, they, they establish certain, um, they established certain storylines from the uh, cartoon series and from some of the campy era uh, that, that most of us grew up with uh, in, in a way that's very interesting. So th- there's, there's stuff that's pulled directly. I mean, without giving you too many spoilers, you have classic characters that you loved in the cartoon like Krang. You have the neutrinos. Uh, you know, things that I would thought, ooh, I can't believe they're going to touch that with a 10-foot pole in this comic. And yet they come away from it. Uh, it you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that every storyline that they've done so far has been an absolute home run. But I don't think there's been a single one where I'd say, nah, next, you know. So uh, they're doing really well pulling from that. Uh, the recent the recent story arc right now it it feels very much like uh, the very first Ninja Turtles movie where um, you have the classic beat down with Shredder and then you have the moment where they're all kind of uh, recuperating from from kind of a, a defeat. And so that's kind of where the, the story is right now is it's pulled from the, from the movies. So I feel like it's pulling from everywhere and that is probably what I love about it most is that I, I can take any given story and issue and I can pull from my memory and say, oh, they're doing that? And I just get excited about it. So I, I'm pretty excited to read oh. it every month. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been wanting to get into it. I just haven't 
I wasn't quite sure where to start. I asked Melanie about it earlier, and I don't think that's tip, that's definitely not a title that uh, just generally jumps out to her, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Would you say somebody who's not really a, like a Turtles fan could jump on this title? I think so, and I think you'd want to. Uh, I think you'd want to start at the beginning. I, I think it's definitely going to help to uh, have a little bit of interest in in the title. Uh-huh. I mean, if you if you know anything about the origin of the turtles, it's going to be less jarring. You know, <laughs> if you if you, I don't, you that's the problem is that you cannot suspend your previous knowledge. You know, you, you know things. And I think that what this series does really well is it acknowledges that you know things. I mean, it, they do they do things in a certain way because you expect it, and then they can turn it on its ear and do the things you didn't expect because you were expecting it. It's kind of like um, like the Walking Dead TV series. I appreciate I've read a little bit of the comics, um, mm-hmm. of course. I wish, I wish Melanie was here because she's read them all she's current on walking dead but one wow, thing that's huge it, that's quite a run yeah it, it, oh she reads so much so many comics <laughs> um <laughs> but one thing i appreciate about the series is that they'll do that like obviously the tv show has a ton of viewers that don't even know that it's based on a comic book and that's true and it's, i find it odd that amc they kind of have a stance that they don't advertise the fact that it's based on a comic but, um, mm-hmm. uh, so it stands on its own, but also it seems to play with people who, who are in the know about the storylines from the comics and stuff. It seems to play and mess around with expectations from that. Like they'll introduce little things and then intentionally kind of flip it on its ear just to mess with people who do have that, that knowledge and keep them on their toes. So I think that's like a, I think that's, if, if it's something like that where you're pulling from another material, I think that's a really good way to go about it to where it can stand on its own. But if you do know this past material, they can use that to manipulate you even more, which is, (laughs) which is good writing. Like if you have to work from a source material like that, it's, it's, that's a good way to approach it, I think. Well, yeah, was it, um, season, was it season two where, uh, the very last episode you see Michonne? And uh, the internet practically exploded oh, yeah. because all you get is just like one scene with her in it, and everybody was like, "Wow!" And every everybody issue, got excited. And the first issue that she was featured in skyrocketed in price. They re, <laughs> re, reprinted uh, some Michonne special issues. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They've been smart about how they uh, capitalize that in the comics as well. Anyway. See, a little bit of a sidetrack. No, it, I think it's relevant because it, it's very similar. It's very similar to what they're doing with the Ninja Turtles, for sure. In in that, yeah, you you know certain things about the story, and you're, you're like, oh, they're doing the movie now. Well, sort of, but not quite. Definitely not the way that I would expect it. And they'll handle certain characters that uh, you know showed up in the cartoon series, and and they got maybe one or two episode highlight, and they may have popped in here and there and then they were gone forever and now they're just they're there they're part of the world and they'll pop up in weird ways and there's new characters that never existed in in any other work that i'm aware of and they're there in issue one right off the bat i was like i don't know what i think about this there's this character and he seems to be a major player and he doesn't exist in any book that i've read but it worked 
Kind of like Daryl Dixon. <laughs> yeah, good call. I wonder if they expected the audience to take to to him like they have. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's I could see why. I mean, it, but I don't know if you could predict something like that. Yeah. And I wonder if his character changed as a result of of you know I, I think it, he had to a little bit. Um, are you current on the series right now? Yes, I am current on the series. Uh, they did a really nice job of kind of pulling things back and, and looking at that character more closely. And I was like, why, why do we all like this character? You know, for a second, you, you're like, oh, yeah, why do we like this character? But we do. <laughs> what else are you reading? Do you want to do a, kind of a rundown of a couple other titles you're reading? Or um, It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to think without them like right in front of me, um, and and knowing what we might do in other segments. Yeah, uh, yeah one of them. Uh, yeah, I want to skip that one that we might do in a later segment. Okay. Um, but I've been reading. Uh, see, right now I'm reading a lot of uh, IP type of comic runs. You know, like I'm. I was a big fan of the Transformers comics. Uh, you know, like I I loved the Transformers cartoon when I was a kid. Uh, and then I discovered the Transformers comics and they ran when I was a kid, but I didn't read them. I discovered them after the fact. And, uh, there was kind of two different storylines going on. There was the United, you know, the, the U S storyline. And then there was the UK stories and the UK stories are brilliant. And they, uh, they involve an, uh, a writer by the name of Simon Furman, who is one of, he's one of my favorite, uh, comic writers probably ever. And he's done things, uh, in like classic Doctor Who, um, comics that were done. Uh, I've got an issue uh, that, um, has, uh, the sixth Doctor comics and, uh, Simon Furman wrote on that. Anyhow, uh, he wrote a, a classic run for Marvel UK for a long time. And then when the US run was going down, they, they pulled him over to revitalize uh, the stories that were happening. And so uh, when the the entire run of Transformers shut down, uh, there were a lot of dangling plots happening at that time. And so recently, IDW, uh, they have the Transformers line right now. And what they've done is they've brought that uh, storyline back in the form of what's what they're calling Regeneration 1. Because, uh, you know, the classic run of Transformers for most folks is referred to as Generation 1. So this is Regeneration 1 because they're coming back where that left off. And so I've been, I've been keeping pretty current with that. And it's interesting because, uh, uh, if you've, if you've watched any of the cartoons, Prime, Optimus Prime has died and come back. Hot Rod has not really ever become uh, Rodimus Prime. There's all sorts of things that are happening with that. And, uh, it, sometimes, sometimes when you take a comic and, and you do things like that, it's a gamble. Like they did that not too long ago with Chris Claremont. Uh, they brought him back and said, Hey, how would you have kept, you know, how would you have done X-Men if you had kept writing it? And I read some of those and it was like X-Men forever, I believe. And it was interesting but it really felt like it went off the rails pretty fast. Yeah. I don't know if you read any of those, I have but they're, not, huh? they're pretty bizarre. Um, and, and I apologize to any listeners that really love that one. Uh, but it, it didn't work for me. And, uh, 
And so I was, I were, I worried a little bit, but with Simon Furman, I, I, I had high hopes and I think he's continued the storyline in a really good, in a really good way. So currently that's kind of what I've been reading or those, um, along with, uh, DC, DC comics got a hold of the, uh, the property of masters of the universe, he man and the masters of the universe. So I've been reading those. So I, you know, like I have this thing against relaunches and reboots, but that's, I'm reading. <laughs> that's, that's mostly <laughs> what you're reading. This is, this is not, this is not looking good for my cause here. Um, so that I heard, yeah, I heard when they started um, publishing he man stuff. How is that hold up? Is that pretty good? It's pretty good. It's, it's, it, it feels like it takes place in the same world as um, as the cartoon did, but there's little things, there's little tweaks and twists that's like, oh, I don't know if this is exactly the same. Um, like it started with a mini series, and then they launched it into a full blown uh, monthly, and and right now they've got the monthly, and there's a crossover event happening right now where the Masters of the Universe are actually in the DC universe. And so that, that's created some interesting dynamics as well. That's and so I've been reading all of that because I can't get enough of it. That's craziness. <laughs> that's craziness. But it sounds, it sounds, it sounds like a great idea. Actually, it sounds pretty entertaining. And I, I wouldn't have thought so at, at first, if someone would have said, Hey, we're going to have He-Man fight Superman. <laughs> what? Come on. Well, sometimes but no, it's been good. Sometimes they come up with these crossovers, and you know they they can be ridiculous. But once in a while, they come up with something that sounds so out there that you're like, I, I got it, I got to check. Yeah, it out. I have to try this. Yeah, and sometimes they'll do a crossover, and you will be like, this is a crossover I've waited for my entire life, and it will be horrible. It'll be absolutely terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I want JLA versus. Avengers, and that I'm not saying that was a bad crossover, but it wasn't. A, it wasn't the one that I'd always dreamed of. When I finally got it, I've always heard kind of iffy things about when they do the big like Marvel DC crossovers, which don't happen very often. But well, partly because you can't. I mean, like you can't have a definitive loser in most of those battles. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, well, we can't let Superman lose. And it's like, well, we can't let Captain America just get owned. So, yeah. It's kind of like the Avengers versus X-Men thing. I mean, it didn't necessarily play out like a winner's-loser situation. But it's like, anytime you're throwing these big, these big, these big names against each other, you know in the end it's gonna, well, I guess AVX might not be the best example, but it's going to end up being a draw, or they're going to be like, what are we fighting for? We need to join forces. So yes. You, you yeah. just can't, you can't have one con- concede to defeat. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, and it, it's gotten to the point where it's very formulaic. You know, you know what's going to happen. You know, they're, they're going to come together. They don't know or trust each other. So they're going to battle because that's what we hope to see. And then, it's going to be resolved somehow. And then they work together and yeah, we know the formula. We've seen it. We've heard it. Yeah. It's hard to shake it up without, without somebody looking, looking inferior. And if you're talking two major companies come together to do this joint thing, it's just not going to happen. So last month, 
uh, Joker's Daughter number one came out. It was a one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a pretty weird book. Um, basically, they set up J- the uh, Joker's Daughter in the New Fifty Two, and I didn't know like anything about her pre New Fifty Two. Uh-huh. It's kind of a weird character. I looked her up. Apparently, like she was just kind of this chick at one point. She was claiming to be Two Face's daughter and kind of switched through different villains. But um, uh, during Villains Month, DC did a while ago, which was brutal and awful, and it murdered my budge my my pocketbook. I hope they don't do some. Uh, I, I, hate, <laughs> I hate when they do that thing. Every okay, so I buy I buy all the Batman titles. Um, with the exception of like some of the the odder titles, I started buying, and then when it came time to trim the fat, like Little Gotham or Little Gotham, mm-hmm. which is a digital first title, then it comes out on print. Same with Batman sixty six. I started picking those up; they're interesting, but I ended up dropping them just to kind of again trim the fat. Mm-hmm. But during Villains Month this last year, I was buying every Batman, like every central Batman title, and. Four issues of every title came out that one month. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, my point with that was one of the issues, and I can't remember which Batman title it was, was um, covered Joker's daughter because each issue covered a different villain. So they kind of set her up there. And I actually kind of liked that issue. thought it was interesting. She's a really twisted character. This is definitely not a kid-friendly book. Um, mm-hmm. Really... Like, despite what they're rated, a lot of the Batman titles are not kid-friendly books anymore. Um, Which, for me as an adult reader, is fine. I don't mind that. I don't necessarily want all my Batman to be totally sterile. But on the other hand, like, kind of sucks for kids. Yeah. But... But this one... <laughs> you, you think, hey, I'm, go, I'm going in, I'm going to get comics for my kid. Batman, that should be pretty good. Exactly. I mean, we had a cartoon, Batman. right? Yeah, exactly. Batman. You grab the central Batman book, and I kind of think about this sometimes. Um, like the, the Cupulo, uh, Snyder, Snyder run of Batman, which I'm uh, still enjoying. I've been enjoying the whole time. But even that book gets pretty grisly sometimes. Like the first few issues, this guy was murdered, and at one point, Capullo, like, okay, he does the art, and they're doing kind of an autopsy type thing. And if it was a camera, he essentially set the camera down in this huge open chest cavity wound of of the victim pointing out. And it's like, that's pretty grisly, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he, he came from Spawn, so I guess that's kind of to be expected. He did a lot of Spawn. Yeah, if you read any Spawn, you, yeah. That was the that was the book that Louis had. Louis had Spawn issue two, and uh, Mom made him sell it. Just because it was Spawn. Yeah, I, I I've heard that story. He, he he I think in retrospect he's still pretty upset about it. Oh, it would be worth so much money. Uh-huh. And we knew, we knew because it was worth a decent amount of cash back then, uh, even in the beat up state it was in, because we read it cover to cover multiple times. Uh, but yeah, just having it still would have been worth something. So this one shot of Joker's daughter, there's not a lot of spoiler I guess I can throw into it, but so I don't have to worry about that too much. But basically, um, it's this character. Um, she's a younger chick. I can't. I'm not. I, it's hard to pinpoint a specific. I think at one point they say she might be something like 16, but she's they're, they're setting her up as a villain, obviously, mm-hmm. and she's pretty twisted. And 
this book really like pushes the limits. I'm not sure what rating they threw on there, but it pushes the limits. Like they make her a cutter and they show that type Ooh. stuff. Here, hold on. Melanie's here. Okay. Hey. Hey, Yay! Yes, Melanie is here. Yep. This is Melanie. Hello. She reads a ton of comics. I can't I can't keep up. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. Because yeah. I sent him a list of I sent him this list of your ongoing and actually uh-huh. I think I can add saga to that now too. Yeah. There's a, at least one or two more I could add to that, but So we just got to basically we spent half the show talking about what the show will be and okay. decided we should probably move on from that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and all throughout that we're like Melanie reads more comics than either of us. Yeah, yeah. Which it's, is weird so, because I just recently became a comic book person. She's the newest. <laughs> she's the newest and she eclipses but you have a lot of time to do so. And yeah, and I, I'm a reader in general anyway. Yeah, you're a reader. When I when I only read books, I would go through fly through books like three or four. If she runs out of comics, then she's like, "I'm going to read a book just so you know." So I'm like, "Okay." And then she'll get <laughs> done with that. She's like, "I'm almost done with the book. Where's my comics?" <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I was talking about Joker's daughter. And basically the rundown is I kind of enjoyed it, but at it's one of those books where it almost seems it wasn't bad, but there's points in it in which it almost seemed like, you know, it's kind of one of those where it's more interested in pushing some shock value instead of giving, like, a solid substance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Definitely not for the kids. It was... Well, the best parts of it were the shock value, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, and this is slightly spoilery, but it's kind of vague, so I'm going to go ahead and slightly spoil this one. If you're interested in reading Joker's Daughter Number 1, the one shot that came out, I even have the date it came out, the 5th of last month. Um, it's the only mention so far since the since the whole Death of the Family uh, storyline um, that kind of hints at the Joker still existing, although it's so vague that it might not be true. Mm-hmm. But it's the only mention so far that hints at the Joker still being alive that I've, that I've read in any of the DC comics. So that's kind of interesting. But on to some of the books that I really enjoy. Because I buy several books, and then I've kind of got, like, my set little pile of what I have to read immediately. And then the other ones kind of go into the box until I get to them. I call that the backlog. Yes, the backlog. <laughs> I'm about I'm about half and half. Half backlog, and then half I have to read right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Earth 2. Yeah, Earth 2 is definitely one of my favorite currently going on. Um, do you know anything about Earth 2, Jesse? Um, well, I don't know anything about New 52 Earth 2. I mean, uh, I knew, I knew that Earth 2 was around, uh, pre, you know, mm-hmm. the whole crisis on infinite Earths kind of thing. So no, I don't know anything about the new Earth 2 at all. Okay, so it starts off, and this is no spoiler, because this is the first issue. They're up to 20-something. It's kind of, it's, it's one of the books that launched with the, or the first wave of New 52 stuff. Earth 2 is under attack, and Right off the bat, they pretty much kill off all of Earth 2's popular superheroes that equate to, you know, our characters. Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman get killed off right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So they take they take those three off the plate. So basically, this war against whoever, it's... um, It's the Dark, dark Seed people, the leftovers. The dark Seed. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, a war against... Darkseid and the Parademons, or whatever they're called, they push them back, but it wipes out all the superheroes. So it starts off, and it's pretty much like a world without wonders, as they call their superheroes there. Mm-hmm. So basically what you're getting is it's, it, it's 
new new wonders being started and you get a new flash there's a hot girl and like a green lantern type but a lot of their powers are more it it starts off more less science based which a lot of the dc characters are are the main earth prime earth one whatever you call it dc characters are and um it's more magic based (laughs) Digging myself into a hole. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm having a hard time here. You, you're trying to tackle multiverse. Oh, I am. On it's, our first episode, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break my. Brain. It's admirable. Yeah. No, that's good. You said the foundation, and but are you gonna give okay. it all away? Or? No, I'm not gonna give it all away. Okay. So anyway, the series is really interesting. When James Robinson was writing it, I was enjoying it. Um, I'm, I'm generally more of like a sci, a, a sci-fi type guy as opposed to mystical, but I kind of appreciated the, um, the, the flip-flop of it. You know, you've got the main universes. I mean, they've kind of been introducing more and more mystical stuff in the new 52, which I don't like as much, mm-hmm. but it's more like sci-fi characters, you know, um, Superman's still an alien. Yeah. Um, the flash, it was some type of experiment gone wrong or whatever. Right. Whereas earth two, you've got the flash was given powers by like, um, What's his name? Do you remember? This is a, a god, a Greek god remember. type. The the one that has the the wings on his the flash the flash I can't hat. Remember his name? Oh, yeah. uh, Hermes or uh, Mercury? Mer- yeah. Mercury, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So it's more magic based, which was kind of interesting. It was refreshing, and I was enjoying it. My only criticism is it kind of like it felt like it was building up to this thing for the whole series, mm-hmm. and it still hadn't got there by the time they pulled that writer off. I feel bad because. I've heard that I've heard James Robinson on other podcasts talking about talking about it, and it was definitely one of those things where they pulled him off before he had a chance to finish his story, which really sucks. And DC seems really good about doing that. And I'm not going to say Tom Taylor's a better writer on the title; that'd be kind of rude. But Tom Taylor come over, and I became a big fan of his because he's writing the Injustice Gods Among Us series, and I love that book. Yeah, it's good. It's excellent book. And you can totally tell they're like, okay, so he's been doing good on this other alternate DC universe type thing. It's funny, but it has some, it has some grit to it. Mm -hmm. So you can totally tell where the DC editors got the idea of like, okay, let's put him here. And since he came on, he really came on right as like the action was about to explode. It's really interesting the angle he's been taking because, uh, You've literally got, and I don't want to spoil it because I suggest if you're going to read Earth 2 to start at the beginning because it really is this long story. Even though they change writers, Tom Taylor comes on and continues on the story. Um, and from what I understand, he does like continue some of the ideas that the previous writer had, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But at one point, you literally have one character stomping a mud hole in another character screaming, No More Magic. And that's like in the first, <laughs> that was like the first issue of Tom Taylor's. Uh, run on it. So I'm like, that must be the angle this guy's taking. Mm. <laughs> like, let's be- he's keeping it real. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, this is this is done. We're changing it. Yeah, the whole first half is setting up magical characters, and then he takes over. No more magic. <laughs> no more magic. <laughs> Definitively. Oh man, it's brutal too. But really good book. I just read. Let's see. I read the their annual number two came out. That was pretty cool. There's um. A character in there. I don't know what I can say. That's not spoiler. But it goes into kind of an alternate origin of a character, a very popular character that has seemed to have lots of alternate origins told about him lately. 
But it's kind of a cool take. Anyway, it's another origin story. Obviously, it's an alternate universe. It's kind of another character, so you get another origin. But it's 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 a refreshing take on it. Mm-hmm. You read it. What did did you like it? I actually can't. Okay, that's the problem with reading so many comic books. Yeah, you can't remember what's well, what. And it would it would be one thing if it was if it was all different, but when I've got like I've told you before, I've got like five different. You're reading uh, in the same kind of universe with like three Batmans and and then like three <laughs> Supermans, and it's it's they you're, get confused. You are sometimes. reading like four different time four different universes of DC, mm-hmm. four different variations of DC universes. So yeah, I get a little confused sometimes. But if you're looking for an interesting version of the DC universe, Earth Two is a pretty interesting un- uh, version. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Earth Two, I highly that'll be my recommendation. Um, one of the other things I'm reading that I've been enjoying a lot is Revival. I love Revival. Revival is awesome. It's an image book. Um, this is, again, not, not one for kids. Um, it's a mature mature title. Mm-hmm. But this book is sweet, and it has some of the like cleanest art oh, yeah, I've the, ever seen. It just looks good. The, well, I like the, I like the, the writing because it's, it feels like you're watching a TV mm-hmm. show, but the art is what really makes it great. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah, and there's just, there's some panels where, or like pages, I should say, where, you know, the panels, like, make it more, even more like a show where it's like a, you... Almost like a, like you've got your widescreen view, and it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, yeah. A, a, Zooming a in nice, on... A nice, well-defined sequence that just feels cinematic, even though it's on a comic page. Yeah, it's it's great. And the way that they, they'll construct uh, the story and bounce between scenes, you'll, you'll jump from a scene and it'll just be a little snippet of something... And then another scene. Yeah, it's a really good book. Um, there were a couple issues not long ago. Um, not this last one, but the couple before that where it was slowed down a little bit. There mm-hmm. was not a whole lot happening. It was it's just se- moving it along. Mm-hmm. It seemed to be picking back up, but Revival is awesome. Image is really like, with some of the titles they've chose to pick up and mm-hmm. put out, Image has been has been rocking it. Yeah. So what's the uh, what's a quick synopsis of the plot then of this revival? Well, revival and um, again, this is not too much spoiler because they kind of this is stuff they establish in the first issue, but revival and I believe it's kind of like they it's self described as a r- rural mystery, rural noir, noir, noir. Oh, okay. Which is a, a whole, which I don't think I've ever had to say out loud. It's a horribly hard thing to say. A rural noir. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it's it's kind of got like murder mystery stuff going on. But the but the the kind of the hook is revival refers to what they call revival day, in which um, and it's not everybody, but certain people died and then come back to life, and they're not like necessarily zombies. Um, they're, well, they're not zombies at all. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're not dead anymore. They're alive. They're again. alive. Um, sometimes but, they're a little weird. Yeah, there's a little something off about them. Mm-hmm. But, so, so yeah. basically, this kind of small town's been quarantined. Part of the mystery is them trying to figure out what exactly is going on with you know people coming back from the dead, mm-hmm. and it's only certain people, and it was like within a certain time frame, so it's not like everybody's coming back from the dead or anything. And it's only in this town also. And it's only in this town, so it's quarantined off. Um, It's a small town, and so it's got the mystery of, like, what's happening here. There's also a murder mystery wrapped up in there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's 
It's a pretty good book. It sounds like a Stephen King. It's better like than Storm Stephen King. Storm of the King. Century. Oh, okay. <laughs> really? I, oh, hey. Okay. Well, God, I hope so because <laughs> you've read a lot of Stephen I, King. I I do. My beef with Stephen King, and that's why I say I hope so, is it starts off really good and then we'll it goes to crap it. at the end. Um. So hopefully this is better than that because mm, right. <laughs> As opposed to like building up, building up to this huge climax, I think they're doing well at dropping little enough little bits so that by the time they get to the end, it'll all be clear. Mm-hmm. Which could kind of be taken as um, taken as kind of a weak climax, but yeah, it, there's always the concern of how they end it, end it, especially when it's something like that where they're building a mystery. Yeah, kind of a news related, and I don't know how I feel about this. You read Chew? Have you ever read uh, any Chew, Jesse? Uh. It, what's it spelled like? C H E W. It's an image title. I have not. No. It's it's this kind of really quirky comedy book a bit about basically this guy who can eat things and pull like experiences from the thing that he ate. So like if he eats, he doesn't like to eat meat because he'll eat the animal and then he'll pull experiences from the animal. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. So he's he's a detective, so naturally, once in a while, he's got a new gnaw on a severed finger or something to figure out what happened. Oh. <laughs> it, yeah. Oh, sometimes it's really nasty stuff, too. Oh, it, like yeah. a decayed dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's oh. really bad. Anyway, it's this really crazy, quirky book. Um, it's pretty entertaining. I read the first one or two trades. You've read more than me. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I don't know how I feel about this. Apparently, Chew and Revival are going to do a crossover. Which makes no sense it, to me. They're, they're just, like, tonally and visually, like, so opposite and yeah. so different. that. Because Chew's like a comedy. Yeah. And, and Revival's... Revival's pretty serious. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Image announced they were doing a crossover between those two titles, and I really don't know how I feel about it. Me either. I'm going to read it, though. You, yeah, I bet you will read it. I'm curious, too. I'll read it, but that's so weird. Do you guys want to hear Melanie's ongoing list of what she's reading? You can, <laughs> Chew's not on there, though. Chew is... Oh, I forgot to add... See? See? Yeah, but go ahead. Okay, so Melanie's current ongoing list. Um, Rachel Rising, is that still going? Uh, some of these I'm going to have to double check. Yeah, it's still going. Okay, Rachel Rising, Animal Man, Swamp Thing, Batman, Batman and Robin, Harley Quinn, Revival, East of West, Black Science, Earth 2, Extinction Parade, Forever Evil... Well, that's limited. That'll be ending soon. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye, Injustice Gods Among Us. It's up to Injustice Year 2 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Walking Dead, The Wake, Uber, and Mind the Gap. And yes. Chew. Mm-hmm. And there was something else we mentioned earlier. Yeah, quite quite a list. Yeah. But, like I said, I go through them so fast. Mm-hmm. It's easy. It's better for me if, if I go back and read. Like, right now I'm reading... Um, Watchmen? Watchmen. And it's like that. When it's done and I can just go back and finish it, I, f- I feel better because when I have to wait, mm-hmm. I hate waiting. I like I like completing it. Let, letting them build up and then binge, binging on them. Yeah. Yeah. Watchmen's on my list of shame. I have not read it yet. That's why I put well, it Well, I'm on. not done. I'm only on the 10th issue. Was there any of those specifically you wanted to talk about? Um, what have you really been enjoying lately? Oh, I like, I like so many I, of them, baby. I know. Revival's one of my favorite. I like The Walking Dead. A lot. Swamp Thing's pretty good. Swamp I like the... Day. I still think I like the older Swamp Thing better. Yeah, me But too. it's good. Um, I'm really excited for The Wake because I've read... I think that uh, just came out... I think I think the 
the next issue just came out. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. It was it was pretty good, but it it was all kind of a setup for what's about to come out mm-hmm. now, and that totally switched from like into the future from what what like a current timeline to a future timeline, which is I think going to be a lot more exciting. Mm-hmm. And a lot more is going to be going on, and I'm really excited for that. Yeah, The Wake is a Scott Snyder-written title, um, released through Vertigo, and it's a 10-issue miniseries, and I think issue 6 just came out. I'm not sure if you read that yet. I haven't picked it up or anything. I don't think I have. Yeah, it's really interesting. Basically, the first five issues takes place kind of present day. There's little snippets that jump back and forth through time, but present day, and then at the end of issue 5... It jumps like two hundred years in the future. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's really wild, like story structure. Mm-hmm. But it's a pretty interesting book about. Um, I don't know. It starts off like a monster, like a monster story uh, with these like crazy fish, crazy merman type fish. And... Yeah, it's basically <laughs> like there was. Far, they don't get into it very much, but. You know, way in the past, way in the past that they don't even get to. There was a divergence uh, in our evolution, and some of us went back to the water. Uh huh. And that, and now they're emerging, and that's kind of. And that's kind of where you come in on the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you follow these kind of scientists and government types, and um, with they discover one of these mermen, and yeah. then things just get crazy from there. Yeah. But that's a pretty cool title. There were several delay. The sixth issue was delayed several months. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why, but oh, and you know what else? Sandman. What's up with Sandman? You know how long I've been waiting. Sandman Overture. Have you ever read any of the Sandman, Jesse? Uh, that's that is on my wall of shame. Yeah, me too. Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah, you guys have to read it. It's great. So it's fabulous. Gaiman's Gaiman. Gaiman. Gaiman has been uh, writing. It's called Sandman Overture. And I believe it's supposed to be a six-issue mini, but it's like the first time he's been writing any Sandman for at least ten years, at least. Yeah, yeah. I was I was just gonna ask: Is he still writing it? Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously the series ended a long time ago, and I think it was like he wrote the 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 run of like a hundred issues or so, something like that. It's a little over a hundred. A little over a hundred issues. Yeah. They've had other writers do like, there's a Sandman mystery theater. I've never read any of that either. Yeah. I know. Neither have I. But that wasn't necessarily gaming, but yeah, no, he, he wrote this, um, this six issue mini and yeah, there's one issue. And then the second issue was delayed for like four or five, four months or so. Mm. But, huh. Delays. It's kind of like, it's it gets frustrating, but at the same time, you're like, well, okay, they need more time to get it done. So long as it eventually comes out, I've heard of books that have like been delayed indefinitely. Not necessarily yeah. even canceled. It's just they get delayed so long. Eventually, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. The, I don't. That's not gonna. Don't worry. You have a worried look. That's I don't. That's not gonna be the case with the Sandman, but. Mm-hmm. I hope not because I like Sandman. Well, I like Gaiman anyway. I like his books too. So I think that happened a little bit with uh, Kevin Smith's run on some of the Batman titles, but just some of his runs in general. He would do a issue, and then there would be months before the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've heard that, and I know that his follow up to which one was first was Cacophony first or 
What was yes, it? and then and then Widening Geyer was second, and and now we're we're sitting on this crazy cliffhanger until he decides to do the third part, and who knows when that'll ever happen. Yeah, he swears it'll happen someday, but it's been years now. He yeah. he takes on to me projects like someone else I know. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually talking about that earlier. Uh, At least he gets some of them done, though. Yeah. Um. <laughs> self slam. Um, did you say self slam? Yes, you did. Oh. <laughs> you just just throw a hashtag on the front of that. Yeah, self slam. It's a thing now. It's man. a thing. You now. just made a thing. <laughs> Trendsetter. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I don't want to drag on this recent reads too long. Um, since we do have Melanie here now, we should jump. Back to Flaming Poo. Eventually, we'll come up with a better name. <laughs> yes, I'm excited. Flaming Poo. Okay. Uh, do you want to set up set up what this uh, set up the title and like kind of how it came about to be Jesse um, that we're talking about it in the Flaming Poo section? Uh, okay, sure, I could try. Um, basically, the premise is that we you know we read these books and sometimes uh, sometimes you weren't necessarily looking for them and sometimes you were like. Uh, I think the one we're going to talk about today is The Other Dead. Is that is mm-hmm. that true? Okay. Yeah. The Other Dead was actually one I was super excited about when I read the initial synopsis for it. Um, and when I got it, I started reading it, and then I realized this is either the worst thing I've ever read or it's the best thing I've ever read. <laughs> and I jump back and forth on whether or not I, you know, like, like right now, I feel like it's, it's, it's both because it's horrible and I kind of love it in its horribleness. So I feel like this is a, a, a turd that we must light on fire <laughs> and hold it, hold it above our heads like a torch, like the Statue of Liberty and give it its day. <laughs> okay. So the other dead is a six issue miniseries, um, released through IDW. Yes. Yep. And uh, I was surprised to see an uh, Eastman's name on it, but I'm not sure in what yeah, capacity. He is a, yeah, he's a creative consultant. Uh, creative consultant on the project. So that was another thing. I was like, okay, it's Eastman. It's it's uh, the other dead, which the, the the premise of it is that they're animals that are the zombies and not people. So I thought that sounds like a great idea. I want to read that. (laughs) And and then it's just goes crazy. It goes crazy. (laughs) So so me and Melanie both read this. We've read um, up to issue five. Okay. Um, Six. I think that's where I'm at too. If six, if six is the last issue, then I haven't read it yet. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's out um, when we read it, which was only like a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. Maybe a week or so ago. It was a week. Uh, six wasn't out yet, unless it came out this last Wednesday. I don't think it's out yet. Um, the one that I had, the most recent one I have, has a tiger on the cover. I wasn't sure what to expect from the way you talked about it, and then you <laughs> went into a little further synopsis, and I was like, "That sounds amazing." Yeah. Was- right, right. Right. <laughs> and I can't even remember what it was, but I, I, I got a basic idea of what I said. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go ahead and spill that out? For- okay. Well, okay. So the original idea, um, 
is is that they're these animal zombies and and I, so immediately I think okay this is going to be awesome and I start reading it and I'm immediately disappointed because it's just not what I expected but I keep reading it anyways because it's been on my poll and I let it get backlogged which is a real problem that I have is that I will go ahead and let it you know I'll, I'll buy something just on a, on a, the premise thinking oh, this sounds like a great idea then I've got like four of them. And now I need to read them. And I start reading them, and I'm like, oh, no, this is bad. And I have four of these I have to read. And I keep reading it, and then I start noticing things about how it's written. And it starts to feel like those really bad horror movies that you would watch, (laughs) particularly in the 80s and the 90s, you know, where it's like, okay, um, you've you've got a basic setup where... They're going to do this this ceremony or whatever, and it's going to kickstart this thing that's going to happen. And you're like, "Oh, that's a bad idea." And then, and then out of nowhere, you've got these heroes that show up, and you're like, "What are they doing here?" <laughs> and, and you've got these unlikely alliances that occur. And I'm like, "This is one of those horrible uh, horror movies that I, you know, I would." I would pick one every weekend to watch as as a kid in high school. And so I've kind of come full circle on this thing that now I'm reading it because it's bad. Um so yeah, you've got it's got it's got it's definitely a like a B grade horror movie. Yeah. In fact, I noticed um opening it up, it's got the the credits written by so and so and I'm sorry I don't remember the names offhand, but it was adapted from a screenplay that the writer had wrote. So Okay, that like, makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. yeah. Now, if this was a low-budget thing, like, the story fits it. You've got, like, this kind of punk rock-looking characters that are supposed to be in a band. Um, uh, giving a little bit away here. Uh, they perform- we have to. We, we, we cannot, have, yeah, we cannot we talk to. about this. Okay. This, one's gonna, this segment has spoilers. We're going full spoilers can't. on The Other Dead. starting now full spoilers so it it opens up and you've got this like it kind of introduces characters um you've got in a strip club oh oh i forgot about this strip i was so worried at the beginning of this thing um i'm gonna go ahead and say me and melanie both really enjoyed this book actually yeah we enjoyed it a lot but i was so worried because you've got the introduction of this one character and it's literally it's there's no dialogue it's two full pages of like this really colorful strip club scene of her in different poses around on uh, around the stripper pole and i was like <laughs> oh no what is <laughs> yeah. this is this just going to be like a softcore type book um <laughs> Yeah, no, um, I had the same thing. I was like, what did I buy? (laughs) Um, But you've got this punk rock type band. They perform this um, satanic ritual or some some such ritual. It it probably wasn't satanic. It was probably, they're in Louisiana, so I would assume it's... Oh, like a voodoo ritual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, To become popular or become famous. That was was the purpose of it. Uh And they they killed this uh, duck. It was a duck. Was it just... One, I think it was just it was like no. A they bunch, yeah, they like killed a, a bunch of ducks. Yeah, I thought and they so. got the blood, but they killed all these ducks. Well, then after the ritual happens, the members of this band, and it's not it's not relegated to just them, but like we the story follows them. A couple of them become attacked. They they get attacked by zombie ducks. All these <laughs> jacked up zombie ducks. 
And then they like they kill like they kill one of the ducks or something, and it falls in the swamp, and then it just snowballs from there. Mm. So you've got the the alligators yep. and the creatures in the swamp, and <laughs> the first animal you see zombified, and, and this is how the the book opens with this little scene of these hunters is a deer, <laughs> which is great. Anytime you see a zombie deer, mm. <laughs> well, did you catch yeah. who it was there with him? Yeah, it was the the, the redneck guy. Oh, Dick Cheney, dude. That was Dick Cheney. Okay, <laughs> so jumping ahead. Uh, pro- yeah, President, super spoiler. Sorry. President Obama gets involved. He decides to because go. Because there's a hurricane. Because there's a hur- Okay, there's a hurricane. <laughs> there's zombie animals. President Obama gets involved. I did not realize that was Dick Cheney, but I thought it was odd because they referenced Dick Cheney being killed by these things later, and I was like. Why did they throw Dick Cheney under the bus? Yeah. He's not even the current vice. But it makes sense if he was out hunting. It, not just that. And when they did that, they did the... Because he, de- he shot the deer. And then they were like, well, at least you shot the deer, not me. Uh-huh. Oh, how <laughs> did I miss that? That's why I like this book, because it's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've got, you got Obama in there. And he, like, it, man of action style. Lock and load, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found, like, it's... It's bad in a way. Like it comes at that it comes it comes at that like this is a bad movie. This mm-hmm. is a B grade movie. However, mm-hmm. if they tried to make this movie, mm-hmm. I think it would require quite a bit of budget if it followed the comic because like it's yeah. kinda epic in the animal attacks. Mm-hmm. Um But they could do it they could do it and it could be good and fun and like slither or something. Mm-hmm. I ended up really getting on board with it. Um it's pretty much for the most part, been like a chase movie, you know, like animal attack. They go and try to board up somewhere. Mm-hmm. That place gets flooded. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about it too, though. <laughs> is is it's not like they're gonna they they can't really hole up anywhere. They just got to keep. Yeah, it's not just like a siege type setup. It's yeah. like they try to hold up, and then all of a sudden, here's the hurricane. Everything's flooded. Um, <laughs> luckily, they go out, and uh, some people had sent a boat out for the president. <laughs> who's with these central characters now, this, this, these punk rock guys uh-huh. and this little cancer kid and this stripper, stripper lady. The, with a heart. With heart, of course. Oh, yeah. She's a stripper with a heart <laughs> of gold. Except this little yeah, of that bit with her friend. <laughs> She's like, it's too late, let's oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. She did not waste any time mourning her friend who got, the way she went was pretty spectacular, too. Yeah, it was. Yes, yeah. Just a perfect example is this boat pulls up to get the president, right? And they're like, the, the president's like, we need to take these people. And they're like, there's not enough, you know, there's too many people for the boat. Just then, like, zombie alligators or something come up and pull the two guys out of the boat. So now there's enough room for the, uh, the people in the boat. Works out so well. The, indip- <laughs> <laughs> the next issue is pretty spectacular because the redneck gets involved again without spoiling it. Um, and there's just kind of this great dynamic, uh, when you've got this, this very, um, don't take my guns type redneck and Obama. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right off the bat, just them meeting. It was like, Oh, how's this going to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So I would say, I would say from my end, I would move it from the Flaming Poo section into the full-page bleed-out horror section. Oh, yeah. The dialogue is not particularly great, like, but it's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, I find it, I find it, it's fun. 
Yeah. There's a lot of like it's it's pretty quick paced. Mm-hmm. It's an adventure. And and it takes itself it takes itself just seriously enough. Yeah. <laughs> it might be tongue in cheek, but they're not like winking at the camera kind of tongue in cheek. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, for sure. Thank you for recommending that and throwing that <laughs> one out there because yeah, that one's pretty fun. I'm interested to see how it ends. Yeah. And I was excited like once we we read that. I was excited to talk about it on this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it because I, I was like, oh, I'm either, I'm either just handing them this horrible thing for them to just drudge through, or they're gonna feel the same way I feel about it, which is that it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's epic in its own right. So yeah, flaming poo. Um, I say we empty that bag out. I, I, don't, I don't think we should set that one on fire. There we go. We have a rating system. That's as close to reviews as we get. <laughs> okay. We light it on empty, fire. Empty or the we bag. Light it on fire or set it free. Or, or salvage it. We're <laughs> 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 salvaging it for fertilizer. All right. Um, <laughs> do you guys want to talk about some Swamp Thing? Yeah. Sure. So... We've both gotten through the old stuff. He has only read up to 24. He's only four issues in. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm a noob. Wait, let me look at it a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so we're going to talk about some Swamp Thing. This is a specifically Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore. This will be our first installment of uh, Swamp Studies, for the lack of a better word. A better title, I mean. Basically, we're starting at issue 21. Now, Alan Moore's run technically started at issue 20. The title of the story was Loose Ends, and it was pretty much exactly that. He was tying up loose ends from the previous writer. 21 is where it really kicks off. That's like where it really is. Here we go. We're establishing the Swamp Thing rules according to, like, we're kind of being introduced to how this Swamp Thing works according to Alan Moore, um, which is kind of like a major character change for Swamp Thing. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and talk about that. It's 21 through 24, which is essentially, if you were to go pick up, um, and good luck finding a hardcover version of this in print for cheap, you can't, but um, uh, it's Saga of the Swamp Thing, book one. This is a, covers about half of it, half okay. of what they collected in book one. So me and Melanie have read the whole thing. Um, first off, first impressions from you, Jesse. Uh, you have not read it before. Um, what did you think of these first four issues like? If you want to like zero in on the first issue, even because I think the first issue had a really good hook. Yeah, I've I've read a few Alan Moore things. Like I've I've read um, I read The Watchmen like a long time ago, so I I, I a little bit of a of an opening to it, but uh, yeah, it, it jumps right in and it's very uh, it, it has a lot of uh, exposition, which you're kind of used to with. Um, with more style where you kind of get the, um, the mindset of the character. He's kind of your narrator for that first issue and, um, very, very cool setup. Like you kind of, you're wondering what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't really know how all of this ties in to Swamp Thing right off the bat. Uh, at least for me, I hadn't read the, the issues that lead up to it. And the style is is pretty cool, um, kind of prosy in in spots. Mm-hmm, definitely, it's not necessarily wordy. It's kind of on the on the edge of wordy. There are a lot of prosy things. Uh, I really enjoyed like the artwork, the layout of the pages is really interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's not new reader accessible for comic books, that's for sure. Because <laughs> yeah. when you first start reading comic books, it's kind of hard to like, you, you, there's like a language to where it leads your eyes that you almost have to learn. And this is definitely like advanced. Yeah. This is advanced, uh, comic book layout. Yeah, I, had, I would have to look at the page sometimes when I was reading it. And I don't even, I don't not, I don't know if it was so much in the first four issues, but throughout mm-hmm. the run, uh, I would have to look at the page first and kind of, figure which direction it was going mm-hmm. before I started reading. Otherwise, I would I would start... Kind of getting, getting lost missed. in the page, yeah. Right. And I don't think it's a fail in the layouts. I think it's it does really well at leading your eye where to go with the dialogue and stuff. But it is kind of something to acclimatize to because most comics have a very clear, defined mm-hmm. layout on. You, you pretty much know where your eye is supposed to go. And since this one's a little more freeform, it does take a little get you to, getting used to. Right. But yeah, this story, I thought I thought the story was fantastic. I don't think you were totally sold on the idea of Swamp Thing. Well, it, when I first when you first just say Swamp Thing and I haven't had read any of it, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. But okay. once it gets once it really gets into it, like and it just, I mean, in the first four issues, it just just tip of the iceberg, uh-huh. really. But when you can see how how awesome it actually, I mean, you, there's not really any way to describe it unless you can read it. How, how far reaching mm-hmm. it becomes, I suppose, that it, it made it so much better. Yeah, the, the first story is just like a cool story, well told. It's a very kind of contained story. It sets up a swamp thing as it kind of changes the character, whereas before he was a man pretending to be a plant as opposed to a plant pretending to be a man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I really like that idea, and that that's that's part of why. And I'm glad I I started with this, or otherwise I probably wouldn't want to read any Swamp Thing, because it it opens it up mm-hmm. to to so many more possibilities. Yeah, than would it would otherwise be if it was a man pretending to be a cat. Yeah, but it, it's a very small story. Like, there's only three characters, and. One of them doesn't even really like, even though it's about Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing doesn't consciously come into play till towards the end of the first one. Of the first yeah. issue, yeah. Um, he digs in. He he really does a lot of uh, character development for those three characters. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Basically, the whole story's there to establish this fact of about Swamp Thing. But yeah, like you said, he digs in. He he. He takes that, that's like the kernel idea, and then he builds all this character stuff around it, and you've got this really cool story. Mm-hmm. And, and and also, it helps introduce uh, Woodrow. Yeah, yeah. Also, who, and, the, and how he is. And the Floronic, he's the Floronic man. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is another thing that's admirable about... Um, Oh, the first four issues kind of covers that whole little storyline with him, actually. Yeah. It's an admirable thing about uh, um, Moore's writing that he can take a character with a name like the Floronic Man, and he makes it really cool. I like how there's a a lot of times there's characters that are kind of bad, like villains, Mm -hmm. but you're still somewhat sympathetic to them. Yeah. Because because of all the of all the character building that he does, mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, he's a bad guy, but you can see, like in in the case of of, of Woodrow, you can see his point of view. 
Yeah. Of course, he goes off the edge, and you're like, okay, this guy's not right, but you understand where he's coming from. Yeah. And you understand his motivations. Well, and the way he colors, like, he does crazy. He does crazy on different levels, though. You Like, you get a certain kind of megalomania crazy, and then you get this broken crazy. And he was just kind of crazy to begin with, a little bit kind of sociopathic crazy. Mm-hmm. And more, more, he nails that when he writes it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh? I'm kind of flipping through, I think, the second issue of it here. The second issue throws you into it. You don't really know what's going on. I love the bit with the tubers. These potato yam type things. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> Moore establishes like a huge portion of the whole Swamp Thing. Like the, I, I say Swamp Thing mythos, but you know, like Swamp Thing's world and the system of how he works mm-hmm. within those first four issues because you've got, you've got Woodrow kind of discovering the green mm-hmm. which is a major thing yeah mm-hmm. and that's one of my favorite moments is and when they go to the when swamp thing and this is you know this is a little spoiler but when swamp thing goes to the green i like how they do the artwork because it's always like those like two page flowing spreads mm-hmm. um and one of my favorite moments is when he finds a bit of red in the green and i mm-hmm. thought that was pretty great that was in that was in this one, right? Yeah, that was in, I believe, the second or third issue of the four. Right. Okay. He's kind of finding his way back because he, uh, well, Woodrow's starting to do his thing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh, and that's another thing that reminded me of. Is this uh, okay? Is 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 Swamp Thing having kind of like the nightmares at this point? Do you know what I'm yeah, talking? Yeah, a little. Yeah. I really enjoyed those weird bits of, like, he's having these nightmares, and it's kind of like him torturing himself over, over... Being him. Alec. Yeah. The, Comment or whatever. Exactly. He's dealing with the fact, with this, 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 this plant or man situation. Mm-hmm. And I like how it's accomplished. The dreams are weird. Um... It makes sense, like it's you know it's uh, sometimes it's obvious the symbolism going on there, but it's also not like hit you in the head like okay we get it. It's just kind of interesting, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Swamp thing when they draw him in profile, he's like the cutest looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so like he looks so gentle and nice when they draw him. In. It's like a combination of his brow and his nose. He looks like he, a Doctor Seuss Whoville character. <laughs> Uh, that's one of the things. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's one of the things that won me over most on uh, on Swampy was he's so cute. He's so cute because he would be disgusting, and they talk about it. He would be disgusting. He'd be moist all the time. Oh yeah. He's got like <laughs> rotting plants and stuff going With on. Bugs and bugs uh, in him. Oh yeah. When 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 Abby comes across him in the swamp and you know they, and that part of that's yeah that that is it's like okay. the second issue. Abby comes across him in the swamp. Abby and her husband, and Woodrow comes across, come is there, yeah, and she's talking about just little like Moral put these little details, mm-hmm. and it's just like a line or a couple lines, but it like really like gets under my skin, mm-hmm. uh, where she's talking about there's a there's a bug in his arm, just like yeah. things like that, like just put this <laughs> little like seed of ugh in yeah, your head, yeah, yeah, 
just a weird little detail that like strikes me in like a very uh, mm-hmm. my gag reflex. Yeah. Well, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. So the last issue at the very end, where the little where the story with Woodrow kind of resolves itself, I appreciate mm. when they do this. Um, more will do this a couple times. But I believe it's, um, and this isn't necessarily spoiling anything, because I'm not going to say exactly what happens, but Superman and Green Lantern make an appearance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yes. I, and, and I appreciate, Moore will do that. He'll have, you know, the big, big name heroes show up once in a while. Mm-hmm. But it's almost always like, they're kind of inconsequential. Mm-hmm. They'll show up, and there's yeah. like nothing for them to do. They don't, yeah. they're just kind of there for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of times they'll show up and the situation's resolved itself or they're just... Yeah. It's kind of like a comment on, like, well, I'm working with DC, so these characters need to be here, but I don't really need them. Mm-hmm. There was... <laughs> yeah. Later in, in there, I'm not... Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I can't even get specific because I don't know who they are. There, I know there's points where there's characters that just observe from afar... And I, I don't, I still don't even know who they were. I'm like, who are these people? I'm assuming they're DC characters, but they're not in the story. They're just there. They're just there, and then they don't really <laughs> ever play a part in it again. Yeah, yeah it happens once. It, not in a way that it feels like. I mean, I guess in retrospect, it seems out of place, but it's not at the time. It's not necessarily like. Seems no, like an unfollowed idea. It's just that's like by design. It's it, just there yeah. to be like, huh? And they, okay. you know, they have they give commentary or something that goes along with the story, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's. It, it works. Mm-hmm. So, the problem with talking about Swamp Thing like this, mm-hmm. it'll be better when we reread <laughs> it too, is, and this is like another thing, I felt bad because, but, because I didn't want to push it too much, but I was totally pushing this on Jesse, like, here, hey, Swamp, <laughs> swamp Thing, Swamp yeah. Thing, you should read the Swamp because <laughs> it's one of those things I like so much that you want to like, Make other people. You want to make every, other people read it. You want to oh, take yeah. it out and be like, Swamp Thing! You, mm-hmm. you should enjoy this. Read this now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's... For your health. <laughs> for, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to separate this little bit from the whole story. Uh-huh. But um, yeah. it's also super exciting because because I know like if you're going to keep reading them, I know what's coming for you. Oh, yeah. I want to be like, ooh! Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess we should even we should even just assume we should be like, dude, would you like to continue reading something? Yeah, it seems- no, no, it's it's good. It's I, I really enjoyed the first four, and I'm I'm excited to see where it's headed uh, because I have I have read um, things that have included Swamp Thing, and so I, I've gotten sort of a pre- sort of the premise of where this is where it started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 kind of I'm reverse engineering I guess is where it's like oh this is how it started mm-hmm. what I what I found out later kind of a a related aside the new fifty two swamp thing I've been reading Snyder started writing it he wrote a big chunk of it and then this Charles I'm not sure how to say his last name Su Sol or Sule took over and actually between the two writers I've kind of been enjoying the second writer's stuff more it feels more like swamp thing than scott snyder's mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. but scott snyder like was involved in this huge storyline that went on forever yeah but anyway the stuff that moore sets up in in his run like not only affects but like shapes and that's why i keep calling it the swamp thing mythos because the stuff that moore sets up shapes the whole like system of how swamp thing works what what 
what the deal is. Um, mm-hmm. The major conflicts in the new 52 run of Swamp Thing are all, like, directly related to things that are all established in Moore's run. And and actually, Animal Man also. And Animal Man, too, is, yeah. It's based on that, pretty much, that exact idea. same thing. Yeah. So, like, he's really setting up a huge amount of stuff that, like, is persistent from, I don't remember when this was published, but from the 80s till now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and right before they did uh, the launch of the New 52, there was the whole... Um, Blackest Night, Brightest Day uh, event that happened in Green Lantern. And this uh, this Swamp Thing uh, winds up being pivotal even in the conclusion of that. Really? I See, I haven't read any of that stuff. I heard Blackest it, Night was pretty good. Yeah, Blackest Night, definitely, definitely worth it. And Brightest Day was okay. It, it was... You know, you you're still hungry for more, so you keep going. You know, yeah. And and there's there's moments where you're like, yeah, but then they jump the shark, and and then they try to tie it all together, and they sort of do, uh, but it it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be a satisfying end for everyone. Um, but I think if you like Swamp Thing, you're gonna be like, yay, for the ending of of Price Day. Oh yeah. And that that's sort sort of spoilery, but not. That's awesome. Do you hey? Do you want to talk about some web comics real quick? What are you reading that you're enjoying a lot right now? Oh man, <laughs> the 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 problem with web comics is that you really are going to hit um, different different things. You're going to have things that look a lot like the comic books that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. and then you're going to hit a lot, probably even more, that are going to be like your daily uh, comic strip style. And uh, your Sunday strip style. So you've got long form comics, and you've got uh, your one off daily gags. And uh, so I don't know. I, the problem is, how do you pick your favorite to start with? Maybe we should just like, okay, not favorite. Just think. Um, oh, it's hard to narrow it down. Is the issue then? Um, For you guys, I've only read one web comic. Just recommend, like, yeah, recommend some. Just like some pick, for pick to... one random one. With the understanding, it's not necessarily favorite or best, but just like one or two that that you've been reading that you enjoy that you know, and then we'll do that each episode maybe. Okay, um, one that I think you guys will really enjoy would be uh, the Hat and the Fat. If you hit their archives, uh, you're going to go back and see their very first their beginnings, and uh, they've really developed. They've been going for about a year, and uh, their art. Their art direction and the writing style has really uh, improved and and uh, and developed. And uh, the basic premise is that these two disturbing gentlemen are cannibals, and it basically just kind of uh, spotlights on what their antics are. And you know, like the strip has developed into like an elementary school type of or school setting now, uh, but. Uh, boy, I picked a weird one to try to describe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but okay, so it's these cannibals, and so it's their weird twist on things that you deal with every day. And uh, um, the art style is like Stick Person meets Dr. Seuss meets Tim Burton um, <laughs> in, a, in a pretty cool little mishmash. Uh, and the creators behind it, they're really cool. 
I mean, that's that's going to be the problem with uh, talking about web comics in general is that I'm so biased uh, in in terms of these creators are just awesome people, uh, anyways. So so, but I, I think that's one that you guys might like. It's pretty quirky. Um, there's some fun stuff happening in there. That sounds cool. Um, and that one is, I think it's, uh, the hat and fat dot wordpress.com. I'm going to go ahead and suggest one that I've been reading a lot lately. I found it through Tumblr, I believe is the dailies, um, by, or pretty much anything by Dakota McFadzen. Um, mm. specifically the dailies. And it's really like, it's not a linear story or anything like that. It's just these strips of just kind of, I like it because sometimes you can tell it's just like a random thought that the that, uh, the creator had. Um, sometimes it's really like this twisted, bizarre thing. Like, um, oh, this one. This is one of my favorite ones. It's got these kids playing in the art, and the art style kind of changed once in a while, which is it's cool, like a intentional stylistic change. But at one point, it's got mm-hmm. these kids playing. This is not going to pay off well, but it's got these kids playing like marbles. And off 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 panel, somebody says, "Well, howdy, partners." And uh, it's this teddy bear looking guy comes running up and they're like, wow, a new cereal mascot. And then we go. Uh, <laughs> I, yes, you sent that to me. Oh, yes. man. Okay, go on. Okay, yeah. Then you go kind of close up to face and, and the, the bear goes, what is cereal? And then you go even closer up to face and he's looking shaky and his eyes are watering and he's like, why am I here? Just weird <laughs> things like that. And that's the whole thing. But yeah, I really appreciate uh, kind of. The sense of humor, and also, like, it doesn't always just go, it's not, it's not just for jokes, it's like, weird concepts and just strange things, there'll just be like, a strip of a, a hamster rising out of the ground, and then the last panel is the hamster floating above a city shooting laser beams out of its <laughs> eyes, just strange stuff like that, but the art looks pretty cool, you can check that out at blog.dakotamcfadzen.com, D-A-K-O-T-A- M-C-F-A-D-Z-E-A-N.com. Dakota McFadson. I'll put a link to it. It's one of my favorites. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about Smaller Totems, but you've been reading that, so do you want to recommend Smaller Totems to people? Read Smaller Totems. Uh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's, fan, it's fantastic. Yeah, the, the art style, the the uh, the writing, the whole premise um, and the, even the blogs, man, you just dig around their site and I'm really enjoying the work that they put out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like, I like the setup mm-hmm. and like, it's, okay, that's one that's definitely not for kids either. Most of the things right. we talk about are not for kids. I like the setup that it's about these stuffed animals and this kind of life they have at night and this mm-hmm. job they have to do, but it's treated like so adultly. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it a lot. Although it does pinge on some of my um, your fears, my fears, yeah. But you know, my 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 thing with anim- toys coming alive, I have I have issues with she it. She used to have nightmares when she was a kid about it's like that teddy bear one. It's exactly like that. I had I have the the most realistic nightmares when I was little that my teddy bear would come alive, but it wasn't like it was attacking me or horrible. It would be like just standing there, and I'd look at it, and it'd be like, "It's okay, Melanie. Don't freak out. I'm not gonna hurt you." And I would. Flip out! It would scare me so bad. But, anyway. (laughs) So, yeah. Smallertotems.com That one's pretty great. Yes. Um, Uh, My my only thing is that I wish they had a print edition, because I think 
it would look beautiful as a book. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I yeah. I definitely wish they had a print edition. And it's def and it's it's it is like a linear ongoing story. So it would like from a storytelling perspective would fit a print book very well. Yeah. And they do all these um like cover I don't want to uh, say parodies. We're like homage to famous covers. Yeah. And they, man, they, they've got material for books for sure. And then even like in between installments, they'll have, um, just like a panel, uh, a scene or just some artwork with, uh, some quotes. And that's very cool too. And that's webcomics. I think in the future, we'll kind of refine how we go about the segments, you know? This episode's mm-hmm. not naturally going to be, uh, a bit rougher. Mm-hmm. And also, this is new recording gear, so I apologize if the sound ends up coming a little weird. I've noticed um, we've been we've clipped, we've been peaking once in a while. I try to adjust it on the fly, but to the listener, just you know, <laughs> we're gonna smooth out the format. We're gonna smooth out the recording. Everything is a little rough, but this is the first episode, so hopefully it's enjoyable. We were just so excited. We were excited, and we wanted to do it. We did. We did. And we were going to, actually a week ago, today we were going to record, and I just, my gear just all failed me. So I went and bought some new gear to record the podcast. So there's a little bit of a learning curve, but hopefully this will be good. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I won't always be so late. Yeah. But I could be. But you might be. (laughs) It'll vary. (laughs) So I guess that'll be it. Hey, do you have a future prediction? Random? No? I'm trying to force this on everyone. I, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a thing. Hashtag future predictions. Self, self-bash? What, what did I say earlier? <laughs> self-bash future yeah. predictions. Anyway. <laughs> we had this whole, like, trying to hash out this future predictions concept that I had earlier. Mm-hmm. And it, it made the beginning of the podcast very hard to get rolling. But... Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to stall the show out now with it. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're going to go ahead and go. We're going to wrap <laughs> this thing up. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, GrawlixPodcast.com. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, even though I don't think there's anything at all on YouTube yet, um, basically just type in the address and throw Grawlix Podcast at the end, and you'll be there. Um, hit the website. We have forums. I'm excited to hopefully get some people in the forums and chat, chat, chat up a bit. What? Chat, chat, chat up. Chat, chat, chat up a bit. <laughs> well, I started, I, I started stuttering because I was like, did I just cuss? <laughs> I just kind of had this internal process going. <laughs> if you enjoyed, if you enjoyed the podcast, please uh, give us some ideas. Give us a poll list idea. Uh, tell us what we need to read. We're going to have both. I'm going to look up uh, lists of like the greatest comics of all time. Mm-hmm. We'll throw it between the three of us and see which we haven't read yet, and that'll go on our list of shame that eventually we might get to. And then also the worst comics of all time. We'll compile a list, and then eventually we'll get through some of those. That'll make for fun conversation. So if you, ha- if, if you have any ideas for that, um, hit up the website or Facebook and le- leave us a comment, and we'll kind of add it to our lists. Great for show. Woo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has been Randy. <laughs> and Melanie. And Jesse. <laughs> Alright. And then I guess I'll put some music there. <laughs> it's, yes! That's the show.
Thank you for listening to the Grawlix Podcast. The Grawlix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives, 4.0 International License. To hear more, visit GrawlixPodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast and like us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Podcast. Today is actually me and Melanie's five-year anniversary. Woo-hoo. So after this, Ooh, we're going to go. Happy anniversary. Thank, Thank you. you. We're going to go get something. We're going to go somewhere and eat something delicious or something. Yeah, sounds good. <clears throat> Do something anniversary-like. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. That's exciting. So, so now I'm I'm feeling honored because I'm sharing your anniversary with you guys. You are. Yeah. You you are the th- you're the third wheel on a very special night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that, that feels a little less awesome. <laughs> like, hey, thanks for being our third wheel. No, no, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> no, it's fun though. It was for comedy. I didn't mean no, it. I, I didn't no, mean I, it. I know, I know. <laughs>